welcome to a new episode of the Hype About Reviews with your two hosts, men who have had symptoms of an anal probe, but it usually just turns out to be a case of one too many beers and a spicy curry. It's Bread Roll and JT. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. Another great cracking intro there, Bread Roll. <laughs> usually I'm a bit more inventive, but this movie didn't have many, much in the way of quotes or references, so I was really struggling with that one. So I just thought, right, I may as well go with something kind of like <laughs> true to form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't particularly quotable, was it, this one? Um, I'm just going to, just a little disclaimer here, just in case anyone hears any noise or anything in the background. It's about a thousand degrees here in the UK at the moment. I'm pretty sure we're in some kind of apocalypse at, right now. So my window's wide open and there's some kind of party going on a little bit down, a couple of doors down. But yeah, I'm sure you'll echo my thoughts here, Bread Roll. It's like a fucking sauna in this country today. It is. And as people know who listen to us, and thank you as always to our regular listeners, we're not prone to exaggeration, but it is like 10,000 degrees in the UK right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sat here with my fan on. So if you do hear a sudden like whoosh of noise, I don't care because it's too fucking hot to turn it off. Yeah, it is It is a hot one today. 30, 31, I think it hit earlier, which is just too much. I don't like the heat that much. I don't mind a little bit of sun, but this is fucking ridiculous. No, it's good for my vegetables in the garden, but it's not good for me and my cat. So, but we'll leave <laughs> it, it there. Turns me because... into a vegetable. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer, I'll tell you that much. So, <laughs> here we are for a new episode. And this one came about just a bit randomly because, as you know, last week we did Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, and around the same week, before I watched that movie, I watched The Tomorrow War, which released on um, Amazon Prime. It's one of their exclusive movies and probably one of their most high budget movies, really, um, as I'm sure we'll touch on along the way. So we decided we'd just throw in a review for this one. And JT managed to watch it this week. I did in two parts, I have to say. <laughs> but it's quite it's, long. That was 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, I was like, fuck, you know, I was a bit apprehensive anyway, because as everyone probably knows, I don't really like modern films too much. And then I saw it was over two hours long, so that put me off a little bit more. And then I realised, actually, um, I don't really know a lot about Chris Pratt. So I did a little bit of Wikipedia searching like you do, and I think I've only ever seen one of his other films, and that was Jurassic World. I, just, I don't watch the Marvel films or anything, so I was a little bit oblivious to him. Obviously, I know who he is and stuff, but I've never really seen him in action. Well, I knew this film was coming out. I've seen it on Twitter being advertised and stuff, but I didn't watch the trailer. Um, because I don't like Chris Pratt. I mean, he's okay as um, Star-Lord in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. They're quite good fun to watch, but I can't stand him in anything else. He's one of the most boring, bland actors I think I've ever seen. <laughs> um, so I didn't really pay this movie any attention. And then the other Friday when it was out, um, we sat down to tea and Rach just put it on. She's like, oh, fuck it, we'll put it on for if it's shit, we'll turn it off sort of thing. And we ended up like watching all the way through it. So... I hadn't really paid much attention to this movie until literally the day I sat down and actually watched it. So I'd be interested to hear what you think about this one, JT, because like yourself, obviously we love Jurassic Park, but Jurassic World was fucking dog shit, in my opinion. And that was from not only the script, but the actors that were in it as well. <laughs> I didn't hate Jurassic World, but obviously it's no Jurassic Park. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so this movie, um, just before we get started, so this was an Amazon Prime movie. And as I say, it's probably one of their more high budget ones. This actually had a budget of 200 million um, from what I'm reading on Wikipedia right now. So that's a hefty old summer cash for like a streaming service. And we know Amazon are really pushing the catch up with Netflix. They seem to have been releasing a movie every Friday, which is pretty good because it's a good way to end a week. We usually just slap on a few of their movies as they come out. There was a Liam Neeson one a couple of weeks ago that was pretty good. Um, but I'll say this is probably their most star studded, if you want to say that. I know it's not full of like massive stars, but there was a pretty good budget. And some of the effects are pretty good in this movie, I thought. 
Yeah, I thought the budget was was quite impressive for a streaming service. And yeah, like you say, I guess they are trying to catch up with um, with Netflix. Um, I mean, they're they're throwing money around, obviously, the Grand Tour and Clarkson are their big sort of TV things. But yeah, they're certainly going more into the movie stuff. So obviously, they bought Borat as well. We talked about a few weeks ago. Obviously, we didn't review it, but it was talked about. Um, So yeah, they seem to be um, chucking a little bit of money around at the moment. It's not like they haven't got a few quid, is it? Yeah, exactly. They're not short of a few, Bob. And their Lord of the Rings show, if it ever actually comes out, is said to be the most expensive show ever made. But, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to have good quality. We'll wait and see on that one. But obviously we're looking at the Tomorrow War. So the movie opens up um, with a weird kind of sound effect. Then suddenly we see Chris Pratt, who plays a character called Dan. I'll get his surname there with me. Dan Forrester, he plays in this particular movie. Um, And suddenly he's like warping into midair. And then he plunges down and lands in a swimming pool. And there's like a city all around him that's on fire. Loads of shit's kicking off. And then we cut to 28 years previous. Um, and it's Christmas time and he's having a Christmas party. Everyone's looking a bit jolly. He seems to be trying to get a job that he fails to get. Um, but he's really adamant that he really wants to get it. We kind of get a taste that he's got an ex-military background um, he's not close to his dad and he wants something more from life. And they're watching a soccer game, which I thought was quite amusing because they're in America. You'd expect them to be watching like mm. American football. We actually saw the World Cup. I didn't catch yeah. the teams, though. Maybe you did. Um, I, I'm not sure Brazil were one of them. I'm not sure it actually discloses the teams as such. But one was wearing yellow and blue, which is definitely Brazil's colours. So I can't remember possibly Italy. They're meant to be the other team. I don't know if you actually saw the, the countries on the screen, but yeah, I thought that was quite good. The fact they're actually watching soccer, sorry, soccer. <laughs> as they call it. <laughs> yeah, so they sat there and he's he sat there with his wife and his daughter and he says to his daughter, make sure you do something good with your life, find something you love and sort of having a bit of a moment. And then suddenly on the, in, in the football game, like as they're watching on TV, this big kind of, I don't know, portal, I want to say, opens up and these... Yeah crazy soldiers sort of appear and they're like oh we're from the future we've been attacked by aliens we're all pretty much extinct and now we need you people from the past to come to the future and fight for us and that's pretty much how the movie begins yeah it is and um, i don't know the first 30 seconds to a minute is there no picture just sound is am, yes. I, am I right yeah because <laughs> I, fucking, I thought my tv had broken <laughs> i had to rewind it and start it again i was like why is there no picture? It's just fucking sound for the first minute. And then obviously it does kick in, like you say, to, to him being teleported around and stuff and all that. Yeah, it really confused me to start. Um, but it was interesting to see uh, Americans watching. But I guess it's the World Cup. Everyone watches the World Cup final. Um, I did see quite a few Americans tweeting about the Euros um, commiserating England last week. So, you know, maybe soccer's catching on over there. I know the American Soccer League's getting quite big over there. Yeah, I mean, America's the only country that has a series, well, a sport event called the World Series that they're the only country that takes part in. So, you know, maybe they're kind of spreading out and getting used to the more kind of like the world aspect of the name, but I don't know. Yeah, it does make me chuckle that the World Series, but um, yeah, I guess they're the best at it. So the world would probably (laughs) just be them anyway if everyone else was invited. It's baseball, isn't it? I think the World Series. Yeah, yeah, as far as I know. I know it's a big thing in Japan, actually. Japan and China like a bit of baseball. There you go. Okay. So does Del Boy when it's a yuppie thing. Yeah, it's silly boys rounders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty much the intro to the movie, and it's it's pretty good. I think it kind of sets the scene quite nicely. Yeah, it does. It doesn't give you too much. It, it's quite quick, and then, like I say, it sets up for what's going to happen in the next sort of two and a half hours or however long it is. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit lengthy. 
Um, so then we get like a montage of events of like, this is set in, I suppose, modern day. Um, and obviously it's showing that now we know that the aliens have invaded in the future. We're now taking, they've got this thing, I think it's called the um, the worldwide draft or something where they're sort of drafting people in to fight in the future. And then they just get kind of transported to the future to fight, but we're basically losing and getting our asses kicked. So the more people we send, hardly any of them come back and they see like there's riots in the streets People are protesting against this because they're like, well, this is 30 years in the future. You know, we're not having a chance to live our lives and all that stuff, which I thought, you know, fair play. That's that kind of makes sense. I don't know what side of the fence I'd be on if this really happened. Yeah, no, it, it was quite interesting. I was a little bit confused at the start because I'm going to disclaimer again. I've had a couple already. I didn't pay this film a huge <laughs> amount of attention, to be honest. Um, it was kind of on and I was scribbling away while it was on, but my notes are really fucking ropey, even worse than normal on this. So you'd have to bear with me while we go through this one. But to be honest, um, the first time I had to go back and watch a bit of it today to scan through so I could put my notes together because I watched it the other week before I watched Close Encounters, which obviously we reviewed. And I was like, fucking, I was too busy focusing on my fish and chips at the time. I didn't pay attention to this movie until about the halfway mark. So, yeah, I'd actually go back today and figure out what happened at the start for where everything led to. So my, wrote, my notes aren't the best. So apologies for anyone expecting a hardcore review, but you've come to the oh, wrong well, podcast. So. I was, was going to say, they should know by now they're not going to get that, are they? <laughs> so then we see that Dan, he's a teacher at this point, um, and he's in class. And he's trying to teach his students something, and they're just completely phased out. And then he's like, all right, then, well, what do you want to talk to? And then there's a bit here that was just so obvious that it was going to be something important later. It was that kid going about the, the volcanoes. Did you pick up on that? He's like, well, they made such a thing about these volcanoes and this kid being a brainiac about them. And I thought that's going to come back later somehow. Yeah, I kind of did. As I say, I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention. Um, but yeah, I did think that's obviously going to come back and not bite you on the arse, but we're going to be seeing more of that. You, you always know that in these films. And that bit at the end bugged me a little bit, but we'll get to that, I'm sure, when we cover the end of the film. Yeah, and then you've got the rest of the kids, and they're like, you know, what's the point in, you know, studying grades and all this sort of shit, because we know we're going to, all going to die in like 30 years and that. And revisiting it this morning i didn't watch it all through and through i was just scanning through to get my kind of like say my scenes in order but i, I watched this bit and I, I thought this was a pretty good um scene because dan's like trying to encourage him he's like look the war's 30 years away and they're te he's teaching a science class and he's like you know scientists are going to be needed you know you can learn more about science maybe we can find a way to beat this and he's like really mm -hmm. trying to encourage them isn't he like they've all given up and they're like you know we're just going to die our uncle's been sent off to die our family members are all dying because they're going to send to the future not coming back but he's still trying to be like you know if you put your minds to it maybe we can come up to something and save the future and i kind of thought yeah that's pretty good at least he's still trying to encourage them he hasn't lost hope yet yeah no i, I agree but um for once i'm probably on the side of the uh, the younger generation there you know if you know pretty much you're a goner in 30 years what is the fucking point but yeah, I can see why he's trying to encourage them. Obviously, he's got to. But yeah, no, I, I can see both sides of the story there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I could say. I mean, you would. It'd be so easy just to give up, wouldn't it? Really. And I, I'd like to say that I wouldn't give up, but I'd almost just be like, I mean, it doesn't take much for me to fucking walk up to my alcohol cabinet and be like, oh, gin. <laughs> that, that's you know my plans for the evening done. So I'd be useless in the fucking apocalypse. Oh, 100%. I think we've said that before. We're, we're not fighters, are we, bread roll? <laughs> no, nah, we're drinkers. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so then we, I assume, I mean, this bit confused me. A beep goes off and he turns around and pulls a stupid face. And then the next thing we know, he's in. <laughs> well, he does, doesn't he? I'm not lying. <laughs> he um, right, yeah. ends up in some testing series. 
uh, on some testing place. I assume that beep was him getting called to this place, like recruited maybe. What do you think? Yeah, I assume it was. Um, this is where we sort of see him in that boot camp place, isn't it? I'm just trying to get my bearings where we're up to. Sort of like, like say, a training kind of thing. And um, first thing he does is take his shirt off. So that was obviously an excuse just for him to get his uh, get his kit kit off and get his uh, chest out on it and show some abs. Yeah, definitely, because they strap him into this chair and they got like his arm in there and they're asking him, you know, did you bring like your daughter's birth certificate and stuff? And he goes, well, no, I just came straight from work. You didn't tell me you needed this sort of shit. And it's like, this bit kind of annoyed me. So you always get that in these movies, these government heavies, they're just throwing their weight around and you're like, I just want to punch these fucking idiots because they yeah. all just seem like complete wankers. There's always, they're always the same in these films, aren't they? This bit reminded me of Total Recall a bit when they're strapping him into that thing and stuff. He didn't quite give the Arnie sort of noises, though, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's none of that going on. But it was very Total Recall-like, I thought. Yeah, it definitely was. Especially, like you say, you had, like, the lights, almost like neon stuff going on in mm. the background. Um, so he gets, like, these weird tests and stuff done. And then I assume he's being called up for something. So then we're, we see him sort of speaking to his wife. And then he goes to visit his dad, who's actually probably one of the best characters in the actual movie, played by old J.K. Simmons. And he sort of chats to him and his dad's kind of like living off the grid, isn't he? Like he's some kind of like, I don't know what they're called, but you know, there's those kind of like warmongers or something. He's like avoiding anything government related. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I quite liked his dad, actually. He, he reminded me of Sean Connery in the uh, Indiana Jones film. I don't know why, probably just had a white beard. But um, yeah, he was quite a good character, though. I thought, his dad. And he, he wasn't really in it a lot, was he? He obviously comes back at the end, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, he was quite cool, I thought. He, do, he doesn't like old uh, Chris Pratt, though, does he? <laughs> They've fallen out quite quite badly. No, I mean, that's just one of those undertones they kind of throw into these sort of movies, and it kind of does all right, because we sort of saw earlier at the start, like, when he first turned up at his house, and his wife was like, oh, your gra- your dad sent um, our daughter a card, and he's not happy about it, is he? Like, he's almost like no. disowned his dad. So I don't, I mean, I'm, like I say, I wasn't paying attention the first time and I definitely wasn't the second time, but I didn't know what the actual <laughs> argument between these two were. So I just know that they're at odds with each other. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Either. I don't even know if it was um, explained. But yeah, that Christmas card, he's like put it in the bin or something and he's not interested at all. And then he, when he goes to see his dad, like his dad's pretty much, well, they're just they're loggerheads with each other, aren't they? Yeah, but his dad's got a hell of a setup, hasn't he? He's in like some big bunker yes. and he's got like sniper rifles and God knows what coming out of his ass. He's like a one-man army and he's like in his 70s or something. Yeah, exactly. If he was my dad, I'd be like trying to stay on the right side of him, I think. Yeah, right. There's a war coming. I want to be on his side. He's got all the gear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then we kind of get them actually in the training centre, if you will. And again, all the like military heavies and the people like the um from the future, they're all just fucking bellends. Like, I was just like, you're not given any exposition to what's going on. I don't know if that was meant to be for the audience or the characters, but they were just really winding me up. But he did meet the two quite integral characters. His mate, Charlie, um, who's quite a sort of chatterbox, sort of friendly guy. And then you've got um, Dorian, who's a bit more of a kind of gruff, just doesn't say anything at first, doesn't he? He just seems to fucking be pissed off about life in general, which we find out why later. Yeah, I liked Charlie. I thought he was a good character. He he was one of my favourites throughout the film. Um, yeah, and other than Charlie and um, the other guy you just mentioned, whose name has already gone out of my head, um, you um, the rest of these people, they're like the fucking guys in Alien, aren't they? When we said they come out of the cryer and they've all got their flabby tits and stuff, they're all like fucking, they look like they'd be useless in a war. Obviously, they're yeah. civilians and they've been called up, but, you know, fucking hell, they get dre- dregs of the barrel or what? 
Well, no, I mean, considering like in World War Two, they, you know, you got drafted. You at least went through boot camp, didn't you? You had to do the fitness mm. test and all that sort of stuff. Like you say, they they called me up. I probably have a heart attack just lifting the fucking assault rifle <laughs> at the moment. But <laughs> especially the weather's like this. But yeah, like you yeah. say, they're just your everyday people. And I swear, there's a bit of conversation or dialogue here that kind of they're trying to figure out why it's them specifically. Like maybe the reason they're the ones picked is because they're already dead when they go into the future. I know there was something about that going on, but I kind of missed the kind of crux of what that meant. Oh, yeah, that would probably make sense, actually. Yeah, no, you're probably right. But, yeah, they, and going back to the, the army guys, the, the people sort of training them or whatever, for want of a better word, the commanders, they're all quite young, aren't they? Because they're supposed to be, but they are fucking annoying. Uh, they all wound me up, pretty much every single one of them. Yeah, there just weren't really many likeable characters in this. Um to be honest, like Chris Pratt is about as bland as you can fucking get um, throughout this entire movie. Like he's not a good actor at all. So you watch you watch um, Guardians of the Galaxy going off track, and you think, man, this guy's awesome. Like he's he's funny. He's got screen presence. He's really good. Every other film I've seen him in, he's fucking shit. He's absolutely terrible. <laughs> well, that's testament <laughs> to the script, then I guess of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I, I didn't bond with his character at all throughout this film. I have to say, um, I just d- didn't really care for him. Yeah, but like you say, Charlie was a good character and Dorian yeah. fleshes it out. So at least there's at least two side characters that give a bit of grunt in this movie and his dad's mm. cool. So <laughs> so now they kind of, they warp to the future and this kind of catches up with how the movie opens, doesn't it? it? actually brings us to that part where he teleports in and they fall down. I don't know how far he's fallen, but they manage to land in a <laughs> swimming pool on top of a skyscraper and magically survive. But I'm like, you just fall in like, I don't know. <laughs> a thousand feet or whatever. And I'm not sure that swimming pool's deep enough to catch you. I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist, but I just thought that was a bit ridiculous. Yeah. It was a bit convenient. Obviously, like I say, the swimming pool wouldn't have probably saved him anyway, but it was a bit convenient. The swimming pool was there in the first place because that could have been even more painful. But yeah, I, I did think, fuck me, you know, you've come, God knows how far you've fallen. And uh, yeah, miraculously there's a swimming pool there and miraculously you still survived anyway. Yeah. Cause I like, you fall in I was going to say, I think a couple of them do die, though, don't they? The people around him. I think a couple of them just literally miss the skyscraper and hit the deck, if I remember rightly. But conveniently, Chris Pratt doesn't. Yeah, but even though he falls in the swimming pool and someone like hits him at full force (laughs) and lands on him as well, it's like, surely that would knock you out. But clearly, obviously, it doesn't. But like you say, like most of his team die because they either like hit the deck outside the swimming pool, they fall through, you know, past the skyscraper down onto the, uh, the concrete, as it were, and strawberry jam on the street. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's very fortunate, let's put it that way. Yeah, he is, yeah. Uh, so now he pulls himself together and he got like what's left of the team. Charlie and Dorian have also, you know, conveniently survived as well for a bit of camaraderie. Um, and then he gets a, on the radio, he's kind of put in charge. He gets a signal from someone known as Romeo Command. And she's saying that there's been a complete disaster. The aliens are attacking She's got a rescue team in the building nearby that need rescuing and they need to do it sharpish because there's like a nuclear strike or something coming in or a big airstrike. So Chris Pratt's character is put in charge and he whips his team together. And this is like kind of a combat sequence, isn't it? They kind of try and work their way through the streets and they go in to save these guys and retrieve the data. And it's not bad. As far as an action sequence goes, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, the city's just complete carnage and it's all in flames and, and everything. Um, yeah, and when they get to the building, the research team are like sort of cocooned, hanging from the ceiling, if I remember rightly. Am I correct in, in thinking that? They're sort of just all hanging there, aren't they? Yeah, that's that's my memory of it. Almost like kind of like 
alien cross of a spider, mm. isn't it? Like they're actually like in these like sacks, aren't they, on the walls? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was that was uh, quite cool. But yeah, I mean, it looked quite good. It sets up um, the action scene. We haven't seen one of the aliens quite yet, have we? I think one of the guys doesn't he he pull. It might even be old Dorian, and it pulls a spike off one of the aliens, and he, he's got it. Got it as a souvenir, haven't he? They're called the what are they called the white spikes or something, aren't they? They're called. They know them as. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, white spikes. Because he's got like it's almost like Alan Grant's Velociraptor thing, isn't it? Um, mm, yeah. like a talon. He exactly. wears it around his neck, but then he cuts, like you say, another one off. We see a hand of a dead one just hand out the door, but we haven't actually seen one in the flesh just yet. They need to work their way through the building a bit more before we get to that. But it's not a bad sequence, and eventually they do find what they're looking for. But then they encounter one of the white spikes, and I thought the design was pretty cool. They kind of reminded me of like insects in a way, like you'd imagine, like. A, a really large version of like you know a tick or something like that they're pretty crazy looking yeah they're kind of weird weren't they i don't really know it gave me that kind of resistance fall of man vibe from the old uh scissors as we used to call them scissors, yeah. term for them but they were more sort of insecty than that they had kind of like fucking things coming off them and stuff didn't they they were just kind of a mishmash of a lot of different designs i thought it's funny you should mention Resistance Fall of Man, obviously just from how much we like that game, but also there's something a bit later on that just made me think of that game instantly as well. But yeah, it does have that kind of Chimera, Sizzler vibe to them, really. Chimera. But yeah, they are, yeah. Couldn't do what they were called, Chimera, that's why not, <laughs> not Sizzlers, that's what we used to call them. But obviously I knew they weren't called Sizzlers, but that was our little name for them back in well, the day. Well, if we ever make a game, that'll be what they're called, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they kind of get where they need to, and then they need to extract they find the data that they need and they need to kind of extract a bit lively. There's now white spikes chasing them through the streets and a few people are getting picked off. Um, and then one of their friends, doesn't it? He, he falls through. They're trying to go across a bridge and I can't remember why they're jumping across it. There's like beams, isn't there? Like um, big girders or something. And one of them falls yeah. through. And then Dorian's like, oh yeah, we need to just go. We need to leave him at Chris Pratt's character, Dan. He's like, no, no, we got to save him. No man left behind and all that sort of stuff, which you can kind of understand in a way. Um, so they sort of stop trying to save these people, which doesn't happen. So a few of them get sacrificed and a few of them kind of survive. Um, so it's just kind of that race against time, isn't it? You know, they've got to get out of there before the airstrike. Yeah, I think they've got like six minutes to get out, haven't they, before the, before the strike. And then the planes do come in and then we get some, uh, some slow motion. There's a fair bit of slow motion in this film, I, I thought. Um, Maybe Zack Schneider was around, you know, you never know. <laughs> well... He may well have been, but yeah, the, the planes come in, the, the bombs drop, we get some slow motion. Everyone's getting taken out here. The humans are getting taken out. The old white spikes are getting taken out. We get quite a bit of, like I say, slow-mo, and then the whole place just gets blown to shit, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's uh, not going to be much left. I've got to say, again, this is obviously an Amazon one, and the budget, again, I would say, was pretty good. But I thought the look of the skyline is quite red and it almost looks like there's some kind of crazy storm going on, obviously, prior to the bombs dropping. But I thought the skyline and like general look of the set itself and like the streets all look pretty, you know, fairly good quality. Yeah, no, it did, it did look quite good. Yeah, it's, um, it was believable that that's what it would look like after this kind of thing happened anyway. So then we get old um, Dan, he wakes up and he's in some kind of like military base. And he's sort of chatting to Charlie, who's managed to survive. And then they bump into Dorian, who's chatting. And he's still pissed off, saying, you know, we should have just run because you stayed behind. More people died. And Dan's kind of like, you know, what's your problem? You know, we're in the army. We need to try and stick together. You know, we're military. There's not much of the human race left. 
And then Dorian kind of gives a bit of his backstory, doesn't he? Like he's got cancer, mm. um, but he'd rather come to the future and fight and die on his own terms instead of just waiting to like decay and die of cancer. And obviously I don't have cancer and I hope I never do. Obviously I think it's absolutely terrible, but you can kind of understand him from this point of view. Kind of, you think, yeah, I think, you know, it gives him a pretty decent bit of backstory to why he's probably quite pissed off. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because I don't think we, we mentioned before he's, He's been there before, hasn't he? I think this is his third uh, tour of duty, isn't it? He keeps going back, obviously, because he's got nothing else to live for, I guess, in his eyes. Yeah, and he obviously wants to go down, like I say, on his own terms, go down swinging and hopefully do something good for the future. And I think straight away, like at first I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those typical kind of, you know, a fucking arrogant, tough guy, meathead characters. But actually mm. this bit of backstory here I thought gave him a bit more substance and I quite warm to him here and he does become a pretty good character as time goes on yeah I agree yeah exactly the same I thought oh he's going to piss me off because he's yeah like you say the tough guy and everything he's not going to take orders from anyone he's going to be the big I am but then we do find out more about him and yeah you do kind of warm to him more so than uh, Chris Pratt's character yeah which has probably the least yeah the shittest twist ever like you knew this was coming a fucking mile away but he mm. meets Romeo Command, um, who's Muri, turns out to be Muri Forrester, his daughter grown up in the future. And the way the scene's played out is like it's supposed to be like this massive reveal. But like the minute he started chatting to her when she was Romeo Command, when he first came to the future, I was like, it's going to be his daughter. Like, there's no <laughs> two ways about it, is it? It's so obvious that that's what's gonna, that was what it's going to turn out to be. I must admit, I didn't twig. But then again, I say I wasn't paying much attention. But it wasn't a big shock when we get the reveal, I must say. I mean, I wasn't thinking that instantly when he started talking to her. But the minute she introduced herself, I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. So she's played by, um, Muri Forrest is played by Yvonne um, Strahovski. Yeah. I'm just looking at it here. Yeah. Um, So she's actually, I know her. I've seen her in a few bits. She plays Hannah McKay in the Dexter series, but she's also Miranda in the Mass Effect video game series for anyone who plays that. So she's never in like a lot of shows, but she's quite, she's one of those actresses. And when she turns up, it's like, she's kind of memorable because I play those games a lot. And obviously I'm a big fan of Dexter, but she's not the greatest actress, but she does a pretty good job in this one. Yeah, she's all right in this. And this is going to sound bad and I don't mean it to, but she's got a very generic look. Does that make sense? I can imagine Absolutely, her getting cast yeah. in a lot of these roles because she's just, she's she's pretty, but she's not stunning. She's just a very generic looking actress, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. She's just got that kind of like go-to Hollywood look mm. almost, doesn't yeah. she? And yeah. again, it's nothing against her because even the woman who plays Chris Pratt's wife... Uh, Betty Gilpin is exactly the same and she was in a show called Glow on Netflix which I liked it was about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling promotion and she's been in a few films yes she was in that your your best mate (laughs) she follows me on Twitter Kate Nash follows me on Twitter claim to fame (laughs) there we go you're going up in the world man but yeah yeah, I mean (laughs) both of those two actresses there's nothing wrong with them as actresses I don't dislike them but yeah like you say they're very kind of they're quite generic aren't they like you say it's like um Similar oh, looking as well. There's a couple of scenes where I got confused as to which was his wife and which was his daughter. <laughs> that's good because at least that, normally they cast like father, daughter, or mother, daughter actors who look nothing alike. And it's no, like you don't even look related. So... No, I thought they, they definitely did look related. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, a little bit generic. A bit like Chris Pine. He's like the most generically boring actor in the world. <laughs> so there we go. There's blokes and women. We're not being sexist. No, not at all. <laughs> 
So he meets his daughter and she kind of chats to him. And this is the first of many really annoying conversations in this movie where, like, obviously he's a bit taken aback. He's like, oh, my God, that's my daughter. She's grown up. And obviously he only saw her, like, in his mind probably a couple of hours ago when she was a little girl before he came to the future. She's lived a life of war and whatever building up to this. But these conversations, there's, like, several of them. And he's, like, going, oh, I want to learn a little bit about you and just hear about what you're doing. And like, suddenly she's all friendly. And then she's like, no, no, I don't want to talk to you. I don't mm. want to tell you anything about the future. And this happens like several times. And it just really annoys me throughout the movie. It's like, I can understand her kind of being like that, but it happens about three or four times. And it's like, just fucking, it's boring. It's just really repetitive, unnecessary storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I got that as well. I mean, this is weird for me because his daughter in this, in his time, whenever it is the, the actual time, before he goes to the future is roughly the same age as mine. And I was watching this thinking, fuck me, what would I do if I met my daughter in 30 years time? This is really fucking weird. So in that way, I did kind of feel for his character a little bit. It's the only kind of bonding I had with his character because the rest of it, as we've said, was pretty bland, but yeah, it's a bit of a head fuck situation, but she was quite annoying. Like I say, she would open up and then completely shut him off again. Yeah. And the fact that she does it like two or three times is just annoying. It's like there was no progression. It was just the same over and over. And it's like, yeah, it worked well the first time, but we don't need to see that three times. And I know she's probably been <laughs> through shit, as she hints at, but yeah, that just really annoyed me about these the dynamic between these two. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So she kind of brings them up to speed and she says that like, even though they're on literally the final kind of dregs of humanity, and I can't remember how many people they say they estimate to still be alive, but they found a way to kill the male versions of the aliens, but they can't kill the female ones, which are the ones that breed and obviously give more. So they need to find a way that they, they can actually kill the females. So now they need to go and capture one um, so they can do some experiments and find out what pathogen or what toxin they can use to actually defeat the females and give them a chance in the war, which sets up them doing like an assault on a nest, I suppose you want to call it. Um, it's some yeah. kind of hive, isn't it? Not like an alien as in xenomorph hive. It looks a bit, just like these little like sand bunkers, isn't it? It's quite weird. Yeah, it is. And the bit they go off in a in a chopper to um to the alien hive, we'll call it, where the female is, and you kind of see it from above. And there's all these like white spikes running along. I think they're flying over a beach or something. And it reminded me of Jurassic Park when you see all the dinosaurs flocking. I don't know if you sort of got that vibe from it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely that kind of image, isn't it? Like they're more of a kind of they are very much a group mentality, obviously, a mm, hive yeah. mentality. But yeah, that shot, yeah, I definitely agree. So then they're sort of, they need to go in there. So they send a team in and um, Muri and Dan, they're in the helicopter just kind of providing overwatch and support. But the team that go in there, as you'd expect, they're just fucking fodder, aren't they? they they're yeah, crap. They're apparently like the best there is, but they all get fucking <laughs> annihilated by this female. It happens every fucking time in any movie like this. It's like sending the special fortress <laughs> and they'll fucking die. Every film, yeah, these are the best guys. They'll protect you and all that. I mean, it happens, like say, every fucking time, and they all get killed, standard. Yeah, so now Muri dives in, and she's like doing her thing and, you know, kind of gets the job done, but um, gets kind of whacked, doesn't she? And then she's like, Dan, you've got to stay out because I need you for something. She's kind of hinting that she needs him for a bigger purpose. So it's yeah, kind of like him meeting her wasn't as coincidental coincidental i can't even fucking say the word <laughs> really getting too hot coincidental there we go as we might believe it to be but she's like no you stay in the helicopter but you know he's not going to do that he, he repels down and he helps her capture the queen they get her in this big cage and then they fly off just as about a thousand 
white spikes are coming in to attack. But then we see like a lot of helicopters going down, don't we? Like they're all jumping on there and I'm munching away. It's a pretty good action sequence. Yeah, yeah, I've got that here in my notes. Um, yeah, they all come out and take out a few of the other choppers. Obviously, again, we're actually old Chris and um, Yuri survive. Um, but yeah, again, when he repels down, I'm thinking he's going to come and save the day. But I probably would have done the same. For, well, I would have done the same for my daughter. You know, you would. But yeah, I mean, she, she nearly um, croaks it, doesn't she, there? She's pretty much about to die when he comes and uh, saves the day. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Because um, like, she's like, literally got her gun in the um the alien's mouth hasn't she like trying to push it back and it's about to like take her face off so like you say i think that's the part you can kind of relate to the fact that he would do anything for his daughter even though she's grown up the hard way let's say you know is he in this war she's probably a bit more rugged her emotions are a bit more switched off so she's like no you're an asset you're not my dad you're an asset but for him he's like no you're my daughter i'm gonna fucking do whatever it takes to try and save you regardless of do anything else and she hasn't been that forthcoming with information, so you can kind of understand him, be like, no, nah, fuck it, you're my daughter, I'm going to try and save you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's that massive bond there, even though he doesn't know this woman, it is still his daughter. But yeah, that is an absolute head fuck, I have to say. Isn't Another this the thing, thing as well? No, I was just going to say, isn't it where, where she's on a jeep now and she's got a fucking big heavy machine gun taking out a load of the uh, white spikes once they escape in the chopper, if I remember rightly? Like, quite yeah, that's it. Sequence. Yeah, yeah, because that is pretty badass because they, they get on the chopper, don't they? And then it can't take off because it gets attacked. So they narrowly escape and another one crashes down. So, yeah, they have the Jeep and she's got the big fucking mounted machine gun. And that reminded me of Resistance as well because there's a level where you're driving around mm. with, like, I think this guy's called Cartwright, isn't he? He's on the back on the big mounted gun and you're driving around on the old Jeep. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty badass because like, they're like exploding, aren't they? It's pretty gory the way these aliens just get like torn apart by this gunfire. Yeah, it is. I don't know what ratings is, is it a 15 because it's not I'm, particularly I'm not gory sure. is it you don't see much blood you see the aliens getting obliterated but you don't see much in the way of human blood do you it's saying here it's a 12 so yeah pretty oh, okay. like you say there's a lot of like kind of orangey alien blood like you say but like the humans when they die they kind of just it's a bit of a flash isn't it? they get pulled <laughs> off screen they don't yeah. get like ripped apart or anything that's a 12. Yeah, that would probably make sense, actually, I guess, the way films are now. I imagine this would have been a 15 a few years ago, but things are a bit more lenient now, aren't they? Yeah, so now they've um, they've obviously fought their way out, and they're on the beach, and there comes another conversation between the two about, you know, when she's starting to open up, and then she bloody shuts down again. And in this one, apologies to anyone listening out there, who you may as well watch the film, because I don't have a fucking clue what actually happens in this film. <laughs> I'm just making it up. <laughs> but I swear she says something like, she's angry at him because in their world or in their, her timeline, he just went away one day and vanished for years. And then when he came back, he died of cancer or something, or he died of something, didn't he? And she had to watch him die and not know why or something like that. Did I miss something? Yeah. Well, I've got here that she basically tells him that him and her mum, his wife, obviously they get divorced. And then apparently he dies in a car crash. I've got in my notes. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so he does die, um, but not obviously in, in the war, in, in a car crash, and she's pissed off with him about that and stuff. Oh, we've got Siri going off again. He hasn't gone off. Well, I've got an Australian Siri now, just for shits and giggles. So, right, <laughs> you have to set him off for some reason. Um, he obviously doesn't know what's going on, same as us. So it's quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I got out of that scene. And this, coincidentally, is where I, I stopped it and kind of left it for the night and then went back to it the next day. 
it was, the storytelling was so good you had to reflect on it didn't you that was that's what it was it was so rich uh, law. yeah <laughs> you can tell yourself that my girl <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a strange one because the way when this was coming about i was like but in your timeline i was trying to think like probably maybe overthink it which is obviously a stupid thing to do with these sort of action movies yeah, but it's like yeah. well surely like he said goodbye to her before he went to the future when she was a little girl I was thinking, so she's saying, is that when he vanished? Because he actually said goodbye to her and told her what he was doing. And I was kind of thinking, well, if he's come back and she's seen all that, I, I was just getting a bit confused. I was like, what's yeah. this mean for like, the future like, time continuum? You know what it's like with these like time travel movies? You're like, what is actually happening to this timeline right now? Yeah, oh, d- definitely. And that's why I didn't overthink it. I thought, okay, you've died in a car crash. You've divorced your wife. I'm not even going to think about where this happened in the grand scheme of things. We just know it happened. Because if I ever thought it like you did, I'd have been even more confused, believe me. Like, time travel is one thing. Even Back to the Future confuses me unless I think about it. And that's fairly simple. Yeah, yeah, it's about as straightforward, but it still like makes me <laughs> scratch my head sometimes. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad you obviously you, you've fought along the same lines and you did the clever thing of just like being, yeah, I just agree with what they're saying. That's what I should have done. <laughs> yeah, it's always best. <laughs> just get on with it. Yeah. So now they're in this... Um, it's kind of like the, I don't know, the Ark or the last bastion of humanity, a fortress or something. It's out in the ocean, isn't it? It's like this big fucking walled, I don't know, base, I want to say. It's got like their time travel device on there and their labs. And they're kind of doing the experiments on the Queen now. And they're saying about how much it takes to sedate her. And they're extracting yeah. loads of juice and things. And they do these experiments. And then they finally found a toxin they can use that can actually defeat the females. And I quite like this because as they're talking, you kind of see the alien wake up and it's looking at them, isn't it? It's like listening to what they're saying and paying attention. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's um, Deep Swell 9, I think the place is called. And it's like a huge oil rig, isn't it? With little platforms all around it and stuff. Um, yeah, that was quite cool, actually. Oh, Siri's going to go off again. Why do you keep going off, you dick? Um, yeah, so yeah, it was quite cool. Um they have to keep uh, sedating the, the queen, I call it the queen, the female, because it keeps waking up and it's proper fucking Larry, isn't it, this thing? Yeah, and it's got wrapped in fucking chains and everything, isn't it? It's like, mm. surely you would have thought they'd have found like a proper, like, specific, oh, crikey, mate, he's I going off again. <laughs> he's going mad. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so we got we got a guest host this week, I forgot to mention, we've got the... Uh... The Aussie yeah, Siri yeah. coming in. But yeah, I would have thought like they wrapped they wrapped her up in chains. And I'm glad you said that just now because I've got her written down as a queen. So I couldn't figure out if she's supposed to be a queen or just a female of the species. But um yeah. either way, they got her wrapped in chains pretty hodgepodge. And I was like, hang on, you would have thought they'd have a proper harness or something to restrain her properly. This looks like they just come in and done like a really shit DIY job on it. Yeah, I know what you mean, because they took all that effort to cage it and stuff and lost quite a few people and all that. And then, yeah, they've just kind of had a half-assed attempt at sort of restraining it. And you're thinking, you've seen what that thing's done. It's taken out half you, you guys. You know how fucking leery and violent it is. So, um, yeah, it's almost inviting trouble, isn't it, really? Yeah, because like I said, that cage looks state-of-the-art. It reminded me, again, of Jurassic Park, that bit mm. where they had the raptors at the start. And it's like, wouldn't you have her in a containment thing like that instead of just dangling in a fucking lab with nothing? Not even any armed guards around, like, guarding her, are there? It's just Chris Pratt and what's-her-face, his daughter, in the lab. And that's it. And she's just dangling like a fucking Christmas tree ornament. Yeah, I guess if they're, if they're drugging it every hour, though, and it's really sedated, then maybe, you know, that's their plan. They, they can keep it sedated. It's not going to kick off. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, good point. So they kind of put their 
scientific brains together and they come up with this um toxin and then we kind of get the the grand plan isn't it it's like she's kind of like we're we're not going to survive this war but you need to take this toxin back to the past so they're back to the future then thinking of fucking marty mcfly but yeah take (laughs) it back to the past and mass produce it so that we have a weapon because she kind of gives the hint it's like she gives them the year the aliens crash land in this particular date or they appear on this particular date in the future so you've got about 28 years from your time to prepare this toxin so we can fight them off when they arrive so that's her plan isn't it to send him back so that the war never happens which seems pretty um straightforward and probably one of the only parts of this plot that really makes sense to me yeah terminator isn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I agree there. Um, he's, he's due to leave the next day, I believe, Chris Pratt. Anyway, his tour of duty's finishing. I mean, is it seven days they're out there for, and it before they have to go back? Yeah, I'm sure there's a reason for that, but I missed it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is. But they're, they're kind of trying to get this bond, aren't they, for the, the toxin, and they're, they're putting it through this machine, and it's going 52% bond, 65% bond. And then suddenly, after a, probably 100 failed attempts, you get a hundred percent bond, and the minute it says that again, a lovely movie coincidence. The fucking queen, as we'll call it, wakes up and all hell starts breaking loose. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you say. It's just one of those things. Like the queen could have woken up at any time, but it just yeah. waited for that particular <laughs> moment. But I did really like that shot. Of the queen, like her eye open, and she's watching them, and she's like, "Fuck!" They figured it out, and then like she screams and she summons the others. I tell you what, I know you're not a fan, but for Pokemon fans out there. There's a Pokemon called Mewtwo, and that's what this fucking queen looks like with a few tentacles. <laughs> so Google that, and it will be pretty pretty close to what this queen looks like if you haven't watched the movie. You probably won't watch to want to watch after we butchered it in this review. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, she summons all these like fucking god knows how many white spikes. Now like swimming through the barriers and start attacking this base now. Yeah, it's um it's quite full on this bit. Um... But yeah, I, I'm aware of that Pokemon. So yeah, I kind of see where you're coming from there. There's just a big fucking shootout now. And um, I'm pretty sure at this point, um, a couple of the white spikes free the queen, don't they? They just sort of undo her chains or smash her chains and she's loose as well now. Yeah, they come in, they come in and get her. Like Chris Pratt and his daughter, they, they run off. They're trying to get him to the like the big fucking time machine thing. I'm going to call it just a time machine. they got a fancy name for it, but that's what it is. <laughs> oh, it's um, called and- the Jump Link, I think. Jump link, that's it, yeah. Um, but then the queen, you can kind of see her, she brings her subordinates with her, don't she? Like, she knows these people have got the key to defeating them. So now she's hunting down, obviously, Dan and Muri, isn't she? Like, she takes a few of her cronies with her and they're chasing them. And it's kind of like a chase for this um, this oil rig. There's, there's like soldiers having battles and getting killed left, right, and center. But the queen and a few of her minions are chasing down Pratt and um, Yvonne. Yeah, they um they get trapped, don't they, old uh, Pratt and uh, Muri? But they do manage to shoot their way out. But then she gets spiked, um, which I thought was wasn't a shock, but I wasn't really expecting it. No, it seemed like I, said, I was kind of expecting something to happen because I, you kind of got to give it that hook. So I, it's quite sad, obviously, because obviously he's gone to the future. He's seen his daughter. He's seen the state that she's of what she's been through, and now he's got to watch her die, which obviously must be pretty heartbreaking, I'd imagine. But then it kind of gives him that kind of fire, isn't it? It's like when he goes back to the past, he knows he can't fail because he doesn't obviously want his daughter to die, as you can imagine. But it's kind of all done just for that, to give him a bit more kind of oomph in his story, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, he's trying to save her. She's sliding down this sort of platform thing and she apologises for saying some of the things she said. And I'm thinking, well, you haven't said a lot. She keep fucking stopping. But 
Um, <laughs> and then one of the white spikes comes up and it drags her off. And we get some more slow-mo, a bit of a sort of heartbreaking scene for old Chris Pratt. And then he gets teleported back, doesn't he? To, um, well, his time, I guess. Yeah, and he wakes up in a room where I suppose like everyone who survived during his like from his group have all come back and he sees Charlie, doesn't he? Just magically wakes up and Charlie's right next to him, conveniently. Yeah, bit scary. <laughs> I really want to know. I like Charlie, but I want to wake up next to him. <laughs> yeah, especially after just what I've been through, but hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh Charlie, bless him, because he's obviously a bit of a comic relief character, isn't he? He's not like yeah, a he hero is. like most of them, but he's like saying um, Dan's like, oh, you survived. And then he's like, yeah, I survived only because I hid. And he's obviously ashamed of himself. But to be honest, I'd have probably been the same. It's fucking terrifying, isn't it? If you've got <laughs> teleported to the future, you're not a military man and there's fucking aliens coming out everywhere. I'd be like, right, I'm hiding. I'm going to find the I box think, to um, jump in. I think that's the clever way of doing it. You know, combat's probably going to get you killed. Hiding's probably going to save your life. You know, what, what are you going to do? Exactly. And everyone hid, the conflict would end. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just let, let them all kill themselves because they get bored. End of the war. Happy days. <laughs> so then he, um, uh, Dan returns to his family and he like tells his wife. He obviously has a nice little touching moment. He sees his daughter and he gives her a big hug and stuff. Um, and they swap some more slow mo. There's more slow mo here as well. I think it's actually a slow motion hug, isn't it? And it's <laughs> yes. like, why? What do you need? <laughs> Hugs aren't quick. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just emphasizing the. Uh, the sort of sentimental and sort of, I don't know, the, I can't think of the word. But yeah, slow-mo hugs, pretty unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, the running time, again, is quite long. That's why you needed to do it in two parts. But I imagine this movie could have been under two hours if they got rid of the slow-mo. So it doesn't do anything for the movie, I don't think. I know sometimes slow-mo, it can elevate something, but I don't think it was actually needed in this movie. It's probably just put in there for a little bit of panage, but it does yeah. nothing for the film. Yeah, it's almost there for the sake of it, isn't it? There's a couple of sort of, death scenes which look quite good in slow-mo but in the main yeah it didn't really need to be there certainly not as much as there was so this is now kind of one of those there's two bits here back to back almost and this is that kind of just give the whole movie like brings it all together and lets you know what they're actually planning to do so he's now chatting to his wife and he's like saying oh you know telling her about what happened in the future and then he says like oh we i saw our daughter but unfortunately she died and i don't know about you but his delivery, like he's got tears in his eyes and he's trying to be like emotional, but it, I just didn't buy it. I thought you were not delivering this very well. You don't look like devastated that you watched your own daughter die in the future. You just, it's just not very good. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how to say it. No, it's not great, is it? And he's got the toxin back with him. He's managed to bring that back through, and it's not got damaged somehow, which is quite impressive in itself. Um, and he's saying he's got the solution, but there's no way to use it and. Yeah, it's a bit flat the way he delivers all this. He's trying to be this whole emotional thing that he knows how to save the world, but there's nothing he can do about it. He's just seen his daughter die. But it's almost like he's talking to his mate down the pub about the football. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, it's, they kind of come up to his idea of like, um, he knows when the aliens, when they land and when they strike. Um, and I swear it's this bit. You might have to correct me, but you probably know less than I do, um, which is not a, not, not, not a um, slate in you or anything because no, it's just no. not that sort of movie. <laughs> um, but I swear it's like she says, what have they landed before that time zone? Because they're like, oh, we scanned ahead. They brought back the, um, the prince from the future, didn't they? When the first event happened, when the first alien incursion happened, yeah. there was no crash site. So she's like, oh, well, what happens if they landed before that? And they didn't scan those times. So maybe they've been here longer. 
and waited until they attacked. And like, shit, now we need to obviously try and find out where these aliens came from, when exactly they do hit, so we can be prepared, try and get the drop on them almost. Yeah, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. That does ring a bell, that, that that's the kind of situation. Because this is where he goes back to school now, isn't it? Yeah, well, first he recruits Dorian, doesn't he? He goes into a yeah. bar and finds oh, yeah, Dorian. Does. Yeah, Dorian's um, and he's getting pissed up, isn't he? Like, yeah, because he's, he's still pissed resigned. off he's not dead. <laughs> yeah, he's resigned to pretty much, you know, he's just going to fucking end up dying of cancer because he doesn't seem to be able to get himself killed in combat. Yeah, so he's like drinking himself away and then Pratt comes in and he's like, you know, I've got one chance to save my daughter, so I'm going to do everything I can. And then Dorian's like, well, I'd be a complete asshole if I didn't help a guy save his daughter. And I thought that was a pretty good line. So he kind of signs up, doesn't he? And then they go and find... Yeah. Charlie and they examine the um the claw that Dorian's got around his neck and they find out there's volcanic ash in there, don't they? They do, which is what we talked about at the start. Yeah, which you knew was going to be a little hook. And then they're saying it was um volcanic ash from Asia, yet the incursion of aliens started in Russia. So they're like, oh, how did volcanic ash get from Asia to Russia? So who do we know that's a volcano expert? I know, it's the fucking, I don't know, 10-year-old that's in my class who's a volcano <laughs> expert. Not a fucking scientist from NASA or anything, just some little kid in my class knows all this. This is the bit that pissed me off. Not the fact that the 10-year-old knew it, although that's a bit far-fetched. Um, it's the fact now they're all in the classroom and, like, how comes Charlie and Dorian are allowed in this school and they're just questioning this kid? It's like, do you know just wander into this school? I'd have thought security in American schools would have been pretty fucking tight with the stuff that goes on over there. No offence, again, to, you know, our American listeners. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, these, you know, I don't know, just like fucking strangers walking into schools. It's not what you want to hear, is it? But he manages to walk in with his two, this big fucking gruff dude, Dorian, and then like, yeah. obviously Mr. Comedy Man, Charlie. And they're like, they're literally giving this kid the third degree, aren't they? They like stood around the table like fucking FBI agents interrogating yeah. someone. I just thought that was a bit strange that they all just wander into the school and start grilling this poor kid. I mean, fair play, he knows his stuff and he stands his ground and he tells them what they need to know. But I'm like, really? Were they just been allowed to walk in there like that and start grilling this kid? Yeah, so they are good on this kid one way or the other, and um, this is the bit where the science side of things come in. So I'm just going to go with this movie and assume they know what they're on about. But he <laughs> talks about um, they're asking him, like, you know, how could um, volcanic ash from Asia get to Russia? And he says something about is it the Millennium eruption? Um, yes, it is. Yeah, the Millennium eruption, and then how that would have travelled through years, or if something had it on them it would have gotten there, I believe, something along those lines. Then they're like, right, so if that was a millennium eruption that happened fucking however long ago, hundreds of years, thousands of years ago, how the fuck did these aliens get it on their feet when they're in Russia? Yeah, no, you're right about the millennium eruption. I've actually got that in my notes. I did actually make some notes with some valid little bits, like what that base thing was called, which I've now forgotten. And also the millennium eruption. I'm, I'm looking at my notes now and I'm thinking, what does that mean? Oh yeah, Brad Rolls just mentioned that because they are pretty shoddy this week. <laughs> so now they're like, right, so this eruption happened thousands of years ago. How do these aliens who aren't even going to hit this planet for another 30 years end up getting it on their toes? Um, so, and then they're like, oh, well maybe they were already here and they don't land, they thaw out. So maybe they're already here. And straight away, this starts making me think of a thing. Yes. Talking about like aliens under the ice and thawing out and coming out in a bad mood and stuff. And I was like, you're literally now just turning into the thing. And a little bit later on, you're going to turn into alien as well. Yeah, I thought exactly the same thing, Brad Rowe. And I, I think obviously we've we've done both films anyway there. So we're obviously always going to think that because they're two of our favourite films. 
Yeah, but straight away I was thinking, yeah, this is definitely taken from the thing, 100%. Also, another resistance fall at man throwback is they emerge from Russia and they come out from under the ground. I swear that was a story, innit? Because then the Chimera yeah. first erupts from the ground in Russia and then they built a wall around Russia to try and contain it, but it still erupted. So I was like, fuck me, this is like fall of man as well. Like, no one's actually done anything original with this storyline. Yeah, you're right. Actually, that's a good memory there from Fall of Man. Yeah, it was Russia, wasn't it? I think even one of the maps online was a Russian map, wasn't it? Because the rest of it was yeah, set in the UK, been. wasn't it? I can't yeah, but I think they yeah. had that token Russian map, didn't they? Because it was the origin of the story. I think so, yeah. I'm sure they did. But anyway, that's the plot. So now we they figured out that the aliens don't arrive in the future. They're already here. And then they do some weird projectile of like how... Um, oh, what's the word like global warming is going to affect the ice in that part of the world in the next 30 years and it shows that it melts down completely which would then thaw these aliens out so they're not going to crash land they're already here so now it's like all right let's go to russia try and find them while they're asleep and put an end to it yeah so this is this bit made me laugh a little bit as well old um chris pratt now goes to see his dad he wants his dad to come along we talked about it earlier he's got the fucking weapons he's got the arsenal he seems to have a plane as well which is convenient um (laughs) and like his dad didn't like him at the start obviously they didn't get on at all chris pratt the feeling was mutual they hated each other within about two minutes his dad's like yeah all right i'll come there's not really much fucking persuading is there yeah i mean i know like they're probably going for the whole right there's the world's going to be, yeah. you know, the world at stake is bigger than us. But like you say, there's no kind of like the animosity that was there at the start. It's just completely gone, isn't it? And like you say, you know, it didn't take anything to kind of like thaw out between them. No pun intended with the whole thawing storyline. <laughs> but yeah, suddenly they're just like, yeah, yeah, let's work together. Yeah, they're like best friends. And th- there's not even any sort of cold or icy feelings between them for the rest of the movie now, is there? They're almost like, you know, obviously they're, they're doing it for the greater good. I can see that. But you'd still think there'd be a bit of tension between the two of them. But it just isn't anymore, is there, really? No, they're like bosom buddies. And they even yeah. form a bit of a tag team later on, which obviously we'll get to. <laughs> so they, they make this kind of hodgepodge of a team. So it's Pratt, his dad, Charlie, Dorian, and a couple of other people that I think were in their, um, their group when they went to the future and came back. Expendables. Um, they, <laughs> the Expendables, yeah, the cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah. Um, so their plan is they head to Russia and they're like the fucking northern Russia, I suppose. It's just like loads of ice and snow. And they're like, yeah, we'll find the ship. We've got these scanners. We'll find the ship. We'll go in. We'll inject them with the toxin as they sleep and then we'll blow up the ship. That's their plan, which obviously they managed to find the ship and go inside. Conveniently. Find it fairly quickly, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they do. They do a pretty fucking smart job of that, don't they? It's like, it doesn't take much time at all. And it's like, if this is like buried under like thousands of years of ice, it's not just <laughs> going to be like sticking out, is it? It's like we've, we've talked about this in countless things before, though, and it's like Alien Covenant. They land on this planet, and they're conveniently about 10 metres away from where they need to be. And it <laughs> seemed to be the same here as well, didn't it? I mean, I'm glad because I didn't want them fucking walking through ice for another two hours. The film's long enough as it is. But they seem to like land pretty much where they need to be in the whole vast fucking snowy plains of Russia. I was like, oh, there it is. Well, that was pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just convenient, isn't it? <laughs> Shame real life isn't that convenient, but still. Yeah. <laughs> so they find this ship, and this is the most shit fucking idea of a plan. These are supposed to be military people. So they go in, and they find this other alien who's, like, in the cockpit, and they're like, you know, oh, man, this ship's, like, however many years old, judging by the ice levels. It must have crash-landed here thousands of years ago. And it was carrying. You can see, like, around the cockpit, there's, like, these sacks that have got the um the white spikes in. 
like, oh, these guys are, um, they must have been like a payload or planet killers. And straight away, that was just Prometheus for me because he was yeah. like, oh, yeah, the engineer was going to drop that, you know, obviously the pathogen onto the planet and kill it, which obviously becomes the alien. I'm like, this is just fucking Prometheus right now. Yeah, 100% again. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've jumped from a few different films here. But yeah, it even looked a bit alien-esque, I thought, inside of this ship, the, the structure and the, the sort of inside of it. I don't know if you got that vibe as well. No, I definitely did. I mean, they must have drawn some some heavy influences there. And again, like we said, like production-wise, like the look of this movie isn't bad. It's just the fucking story and the characters that completely let it down, really. Mm. But yeah, the actual look of this spaceship and like the... the um almost like the fossilized sort of skeleton of whatever the pilot alien was, because it's not a white spike, it's something else. I mean, that looked pretty cool. Yeah, I can't remember what it looked like. I might, I might not have even seen it. <laughs> I probably was looking away at that point. But obviously, I, well, I got the, the fact that it wasn't the white spikes. They were the cargo. I got that much. But I don't think I actually ever saw the pilot. Well, from what I remember, it looked like some out of like fucking Doom or something, but I might have hallucinated by then. It probably just, I don't know, looked like Mick Jagger <laughs> or something. I don't know. But... <laughs> so... Here we are, these people, and they're at this spaceship, and they're like, right, you know, this is our one chance, obviously, save the future, save the human race. And there's a whole spaceship, but no, they're like, no, there's a cockpit with a few aliens in it, let's just kill these ones, that'd do. So they start injecting them. They haven't searched the ship and seen exactly how big it was, because they start injecting a couple of them and kill them. Then the ones behind them start waking up, and then suddenly there's an entire fucking, like, payload of aliens, like thousands of them, isn't there? Yeah. Or start waking up. And it's like you would have at least searched that ship to see exactly what you're dealing with before you start sticking people with your little jabby things. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like you say, they're supposed to be trained guys, but yeah, that was pretty poor. Um, although we do have, I think, the coolest scene in the whole film here when Charlie takes out that white spike with that fucking saw thing, that buzz saw. Well, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was yeah, because Charlie and um old Pratt's dad, they're on kind of the outside, aren't they? They're like, you know, yeah. make sure if any get past us, stop um stop them. So Dorian and one of the women, they run down and start laying charges, don't they? Before yeah. like, or, they, or they all wake up because everything's starting to kick off now and they're trying to contain them. But yeah, that fight outside's really good because that circular saw randomly reminded me of Matey Boy from Army of the Dead a few weeks ago when we reviewed yeah, that because yeah. he had one of them as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was that was my favourite scene of the whole film, I thought, of this, when he took that uh, white spike out of that saw. It's just his face and everything. He's just fucking grinding it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, because he comes along because he's like, I hid in the future war. I don't want to be a coward anymore. But then mm. when him and um, Pratt's dad are there sniping, doesn't he? Like, he vanishes and old matey boy Pratt's dad is like, where are you? Where are you? I need your help. And suddenly he just appears with a circular sword and just completely mullers this fucking alien. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about old Pratt's dad sniping. He's, got, he's quite dead eye, isn't he, with the old sniper rifle? He is. At this stage, he actually reminded me of Price from Call of Duty with all that get out <laughs> yeah. and his sniper rifle and stuff. But that's another story. <laughs> so... Obviously, things don't go according to plan. The queen escapes. So Pratt's dad goes chasing after her, trying to stop her. She's wounded at this point. And they're all starting to break loose in the ship. So Dorian's like, you know, get out of here. We'll contain them and we'll sacrifice ourselves. So Pratt gets out. Charlie's out. And old um, Dorian sacrifices himself, goes out in a blaze of glory, doesn't he? Blowing up the ship. Which is what he wanted, I guess. So he died a happy man, I suppose. He's, he's sort of saved humanity to a certain extent. And he, he's killed himself in a, in a blaze of glory as I say no pun intended because it's a fucking great explosion yeah there is a pretty big explosion again this reminded me of the thing when they blow up the compound at the end like just all that kind of explosion in the snow and then it all just kind yeah. of settles but again um, those sort of like references are just there but then 
Pratt and his dad are chasing down the Queen Alien, and they have just they suddenly just become like this massively amazingly cohesive unit, don't they? They're doing like back to back, and they're doing fucking all kinds of shit, taking out this alien queen. That's a pretty good fight. Like we said, like the start of the movie, they fucking hated each other. Clearly, hadn't seen or spoken to each other for years, and now they're like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, it was a bit a bit like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it's quite a good fight scene, I guess. They both nearly die. Um, but you know, no, no surprise really that they do, they do finally defeat this thing. I can't remember how they kill it now. Doesn't his dad go to sacrifice himself, and then older, uh, yeah, Chris Pratt has got the toxin and he shoves it in the queen's mouth, and then it blows up. If I remember rightly, or starts like decaying or whatever. There is. There's a little bit before that, and I thought this was actually really cool because he stabs the queen in the arm with this needle, oh, yes. and it starts decaying, mm-hmm. and the music kicks in, and that, and they're sat there like, yeah. And then the queen just bites her arm off and spits it out, and obviously it stops her dying. And then the music obviously goes sinister again. I thought actually that was a pretty good kind of like fake ending. So I thought it was going to be a bit of a flimsy battle otherwise. But yeah, eventually she jumps at Pratt and he stabs her in the gob with the old toxin, and then she decays and falls off the cliff. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about the bit where she bites her arm off. That was quite cool actually. You knew it wasn't going to be the end though. That'd have been too simple. But. I mean, the the fight is quite cool and everything, but yeah, it's just like, fuck me, you, you guys didn't even speak 10 minutes ago, and now you are this fucking absolute, like, proper machine together. But yeah, it was, it was quite, a, quite a good little battle at the end, I thought. Yeah, so now we get that kind of, that happy ending, I suppose. We, obviously, they defeated, they've blown up the ship, they killed the queen, there's no more alien threat for the future, as far as we know. So then we cut back to... um back at Chris Pratt's house and he's pulling up and he hugs his daughter, kisses his wife and then he's like, oh, I want you to um, Muriel, I want you to meet your granddad it's then old J.K. Simmons's character his dad appears and hugs his granddaughter and it's kind of just a happy ending there's a little bit of dialogue that Chris Pratt says like as the sort of movie is fading out, but I completely ignored it because I wasn't interested, so I'm not <laughs> going to tell you what it means but that's pretty much the end of the movie at this point yeah, he's, yeah, he does waffle on a bit, I think, at the end. I do remember that. But again, it went over my head because I'd yeah, pretty much given up by now. I'm assuming that's the first time she'd met her granddad then. She was, what, nine years old. So he'd obviously never let him meet her before. Yeah, which again goes back to like, yeah, she's about nine years old. So that's at least nine years that he hasn't spoken to his dad, probably longer, obviously mm. for grudges and stuff. But yeah, and it's suddenly like you say, like when they're fighting, they're you know, they're like a cohesive unit. But yeah. I assume that's the first time she'd met her granddad. Yeah, but, you know, happy ending, I guess. I'm assuming now Miri doesn't die because the war's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's been, I think there's going to be a sequel in there, didn't I hear? I'm sure someone told me there's going to be another one. Well, there might be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's got a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. I've seen a few people, some people saying they love it, some people saying they hate it, but you know, Amazon are trying to get in the game and stuff. And Chris Pratt, like him, I hate him. He's quite a well-known actor. So oh, if they want to do a sequel, I don't know what it's going to do next. He draws them in, doesn't he? I mean, my parents watched this before me. They watched it the week it came out. I watched it the week after, I think. It might have been out a couple of weeks when I watched it. And um, yeah, mixed reviews. And then my dad didn't like it. My mum thought it was good, but she likes Chris Pratt. So I think she was blinkered a bit there. I think it's one of those movies, isn't it? I mean, we'll do our reviews in a second, but I think this movie will come down to how much you like the actors in it because yeah. there's not a lot of substance to the actual story um, for my money. I'm not giving too much away. But yeah, I think if you're a Chris Pratt fan, you'll probably like it. If you're not, you're probably not going to really give a shit, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no. So on that note, should we, um, should we get into our scores, Bread Roll? We shall. Would you like to go first, as tradition? 
Yeah, I'll go first. I'll, I made you go first last week for Close Encounters, just to break tradition. But um, yeah, I'll go first on this one. Um, so this was a bit, like I said at the start, I wasn't really, really into watching this. When you suggested that, I thought, yeah, actually, I'll give it a go because it was the complete polar opposite of Close Encounters. It was aliens, but done in a completely different way. So from the start, it kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say I was up against it with this. I'm not a fan of Chris Pratt. I wasn't really aware of any of his stuff anyway. It just seemed, as we've touched on as we went through it, it just ripped off a lot of other films, which we've talked about again before in our podcast constantly, that, you know, they are run out of ideas now. Just didn't seem to do any of it very well, I didn't think. It was kind of like a poor man's Starship Troopers, which is another film we haven't mentioned, but I, I definitely got Starship Trooper vibes from this as well. Um, and it almost, to me, felt like it could have been a TV series, but they just kind of condensed it into a film. It kind of had that vibe to it. It wasn't really movie quality I didn't think um didn't bond with any of the characters as we said Charlie was quite cool Chris Pratt and his daughter yeah okay I could see that side having a daughter myself but again I couldn't really give a shit about him um it was very disposable like a lot of films are these days uh, I certainly wouldn't go back and watch it again and if I had paid for it I think I'd be a little bit annoyed um so score wise do you know what I deliberated about this it went between one and two udders. I'm going to give it two udders because it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but it was pretty shit. I'm not going to lie. Um, how about yourself, Fred Roll? Oh, well, very good there from um, what you just said. And again, as usual, we're usually on the same wavelength for a few things. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie, I went into it with no expectations. As I said, I was aware of it, but I'm not a Chris Pratt fan, so I paid no attention. I didn't even watch the trailer. Um and then we just stuck it on out of the blue, what Rachel did, should I say. And I watched it. And the first time I watched it, I came away thinking, you know what? That wasn't as bad as I was going to expect. It didn't obviously blow my cock off or anything, but it was kind of watchable while I was eating my dinner. But you're right. It's just it's just trying. It's borrowed so much from other areas, which obviously, as we said, it happens these days because ideas are running thin on Hollywood, it seems. But it just did none of them any justice. And I just think... Funny what you said there, actually. As a TV series, I think it would have been better because it would have more time to flesh out what was going on. I think there was a good idea for this mm. movie. Um, and as I say, the action sequences are good. And the um, the actual quality of the effects were good. It actually had good production. It was just let down by a really shaky story that just fucking jumped all over the place. And characters that just weren't written very well, played by actors who just you didn't pull you in. Maybe if I had mm. better actors, it might have been better. But yeah, it's just a bit of a, a bit of a one and done for me. I was deliberating on the score as well. I was thinking maybe I'll give it a three, you know, straight down the middle. But after thinking about it and talking about it with yourself, and obviously flicking through it again this morning, it's going to be two from me as well. Like it's okay if you like Chris Pratt, you'll probably watch it anyway, and you'll like it just because he's in it. But if you're a kind of movie fan who likes movies like Aliens, The Thing, you're just going to be like, this is just like a really fucking shit version of all of them smushed together. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and as you said, I think it's spot on, JT. Modern day movies are just disposable nine times out of ten. 9.5 yeah. times out of ten, really. Um, I can't, you know, very few movies come out these days that I watch. And I think, you know, that's a bit special. I'll, I'll stick with that one over the years, I think. The Joker, maybe, comes to mind in the last few years, perhaps. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is very, very much disposable. And that seems to be a trend with these streaming movies. I mean, it's cool because it doesn't really cost you anything. You can just stick it on on the Friday afternoon, watch it, and it's one and done. 
But if I'd have paid money for it, I'd have been like one in a fucking refund, I think. So yeah, two others from me. Oh, good stuff, Brad Roll. And on the same wavelength again there. But yeah, just the before we wrap this one up, the TV series. I think this would have worked really well as a TV series. Um, but there we go. Obviously, Amazon had different ideas and they know what they're doing, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to make them loads of fucking money. And I'm sure I have heard there is a sequel in the pipeline, but I could have dreamt that. I dream a lot of shit. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Um, so on to next week. So we're actually going to revisit a another kind of classic. We've kind of done a bit of Aliens now. So now we're going to stick with a bit of sci-fi, but of another flavor. So we're actually going to be visiting James Cameron and doing The Terminator. Now, this is a film that, well, I don't want to give too much away, but it is a bit of a classic, isn't it? And it'd be the first Arnie film we've done. We're both big Arnie fans. Um, and we've mentioned him quite a few times. In fact, we mentioned Total Recall in this podcast, but we haven't reviewed an Arnie film yet, have we? We haven't, yeah. And it could be a bit of a rabbit hole because once you watch one Arnie movie, you just want to watch more <laughs> of them, really, don't you? I mean, he's a bit special in his own right. Um, good old Arnie. I mean, I grew up. I mean, everything, if there's Arnie in a movie, I'd be fucking watching it as a kid. So, and this is, um, as a kid, this is one of my absolute favorites. The movie I probably shouldn't have watched as a kid, but. As we mentioned before, my parents weren't that particularly strict. So I'm looking forward to going back on this and actually looking at it with a more analytical eye because it's quite a low-budget movie, even though it's infamous. It's n- it was an independent movie when it first came out, so it'd be interesting to have a look at it properly. Yeah, it was a low-budget movie, and I, I, I've watched it in the last... I think I watched it last year because it is on Prime, I believe. Um, and, yeah, some of it doesn't stand the test of time without giving too much away, but that doesn't detract from actual film itself but let's not give too much away that's for next week definitely so if you want to get in touch if you've <laughs> done this is going to be a shit episode i reckon because neither of us really understood the plot of this movie but if and you stuck with us all this either way... <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i mean that obviously says a lot doesn't it if you can't be bothered to sit there and write notes you know the movie's <laughs> shit but <laughs> thanks for sticking with us we obviously really appreciate everyone who gives us a listen every week and we enjoy doing this just for a chuckle if nothing else but if you want to get in touch and you want to give us you know get in touch with us have a chat on twitter please do so at the Hyperbaric Ghost or Hyperbaric The, as you'll find us. And for this week, it's Bread Rolls signing off. And for myself, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. I'm not a hero. I was trying to save my daughter. If I got to save the world to save her, then I'm damn sure going to do it. Bye.